Hello and welcome to The Authority of Love. My name is Greg Williams, and we thank you again for joining us on The Authority of Love broadcast or podcast, however you're joining us. You can listen every weekday from 11 to 11.15 a.m. at WJMM 99.1 FM, Central Kentucky Christian Radio, obviously here in the Central Kentucky area. Or you can listen anytime to today's and the previous two days' messages at WJMM.com and go to the podcast tab near the upper right of the page and click on the Love and Lordship links. I also have a variety of these and other videos and podcasts that you can listen to at uh, videos on Vimeo.com forward slash Love and Lordship or the podcast on LoveandLordship.Podbean.com. So thank you for listening, and we'd love to hear from you. So email me at loveandlordship at gmail.com. That's loveandlordship at gmail.com. And also visit our website if you would like to know or listen to more or hear more, loveandlordship.com. That's www.loveandlordship.com. Now, we had a great week of interviews last week, and we want to thank the, our, our, uh, our guests for joining us again, and thank you for listening. We got some great feedback, and so we're very thankful for that and how the Lord is using all that in different lives and ministries and marriages and families and churches, and we want to continue that. Uh, so this week, we begin with a look at what I've entitled the message is God heart, God's Heart and Ours, God's Heart and Ours. Uh, This quote, I don't know who said it, but it's been said many times. God is great, so he will be sought. God is good, so he will be found. Let's take a look at two different sides of one person's life in Scripture and see what we can learn about knowing and seeking God's heart. What does it mean to be a person after God's own heart? Well, if you followed Scripture, if you're in church very much, you know I'm talking about King David, right? Uh, that that's what he was referred to by God himself. So let's see what that looks like. Let's see what it might look like in us. He was anointed of God as a humble shepherd, protected by God, the conquering king of Israel. So let's take a look at that side of David. In 2 Samuel 7, Nathan's blessing on David from God He's going to make his name great. He's going to bless him greatly. He's going to conquer all his enemies and establish his throne forever. And that's a direct messianic prophecy to Jesus Christ being in the lineage of King David. Psalm 139 says this, talking about David and how God was interconnected with his heart. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is even on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. 
For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them ever came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How fast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Any of us want to be in David's shoes? As King David, blessed of God, anointed of God, the messianic king Jesus would come through him? Is it any wonder that he was seeking after God's heart. Man, God took care of him, didn't he? And he was a good man, a righteous man by all accounts at this point. However, let's look at another side of David that even though we may not have committed the same sins, we, we likely can identify more clearly with and still a man after God's own heart. See what we can learn more about seeking after God's heart. This is prideful, lazy King David in springtime wars. In 2 Samuel 11, 1, it says, When the kings go off to war, went off to war, David decided to hang back and chill at his temple. Now, that's, that's my translation. But he basically was self-absorbed. He was, he was loving on David, right? And it's that kind of attitude and heart that, that allowed him to be in a position where he became a lustful man, an adulterous man, a disrespectful deceiver in the plot to implicate Uriah and make him think that Uriah got his wife pregnant when it was actually David, and then a deceitful murderer, the plot to have Uriah killed on the front line of David's battle as king, and he wasn't even there. So in all of that's happened. I'm not that we've, we've talked about that before and in previous messages. But in 2 Samuel 12, Nathan comes to David and says, a rich man had a thousand lambs, and his next-door neighbor, a poor man, had one. When it came for the time of sacrifice and the festival and all the things that went with that, the rich man decided, I don't want to sacrifice any of my lambs. I'll take the poor man's single lamb. And David looked at Nathan and said, that man must die. You see? David recognized the sin, but didn't even recognize that Nathan was telling a story about him. And Nathan looked at him and said, you are that man. He was hardened and blinded by sin, not the sin in general. He got that. That man must die. But by the fact that he was the one that committed that sin. You see, at least we should be able to relate, even if we haven't committed adultery and murder and tried to lie to cover it up, right? 
He was not blinded to the sin, but because he had committed it, he was blinded to the sin in his own life. Thought he had covered it up and everything was good. and He thought he had hidden it from God's eyes. Look back at Psalm 139 that we just read. Tells you what David knew when he was focused on God. He knew that God saw everything. But that kind of slipped from his mind and his heart at this point. You see, he was more concerned about his sin and getting away with it than the repentance and the victories and the blessings at this point. But we need to be able to seek God's heart and mold ours in his image in any and every circumstance. So how did David respond to that? I just shared the story. And we closed it by saying David clearly recognized the egregious sin, but he didn't look in the mirror and see that Nathan was talking about him until David said, you are that man. So what was David's response? What was the response of a man after God's own heart that we read about in Scripture after he's been found out in his egregious sin? Well, we find it in another psalm. In Psalm 51, and it is a great prayer flowing from one who, even in his terrible sin and the consequences that came upon him, remember, God said, your life will not be required, but the life of your son that Bathsheba, the one he had committed adultery with, the the, the life of your son will be required. You see, God had to require that because he had made that, that was part of the justice of God, but He also had made a covenant with David that out of David's line would come the Messiah King, Jesus Christ. You still, you see, in the midst of all this, David still knew that God was a gracious God and he could still seek after his heart. So here's what we read in Psalm 51. When Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba, that's an introductory line. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Isn't it interesting? It goes back to what God knew him before he was ever born. He knew him when he was conceived, even before he was conceived, Psalm 139. And he's even reiterating that now as he confesses his sin. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your way so that sinners will turn back to you, my addition here, like I have done a man after your heart, even when I'm guilty. I continue, deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, you who are God, my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. 
Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous, in the burnt offerings offered whole. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. Now at the revealing of this great sin to himself, he turns and seeks God's heart. What do you do in these moments? These are very telling when it comes to being a person and people after God's own heart. He knew God was there in his outcry and his outpouring and his sin and confession, just as he was in his praise and worship. He knew God's heart. He knew he could trust God's heart and he knew he could seek and find God's heart. And his heart was to be like God's. I've shared this previously, but remember in line with Psalm 51, how David reacted when his son by Bathsheba was taken from God. He sat in sackcloth and ashes for seven days and the wise men came, what are you doing? Finally, when they came and told him his son is died, he got up and took a bath and threw a feast. Then he said, I can't, he can't come back to me, but God is right. And someday I can go to him. Anybody out there in the audience, a king, a king of God's people, conquered all your enemies? How about this? Any of you ever sinned? Ever tried to deceive and cover it up? Ever been so blinded you couldn't see it? Even when it was revealed to you, guess what? There's grace, mercy, forgiveness. There's hope. All of this is given to us in Christ. And remember what God's response was to David, grace. Guess who was the the, the son through which Jesus was born that lineage? Bathsheba's second son, Solomon. Not only can we hope, we can know hope. Hope is Christ. No one has ever seen God in John 1.18, but the one and only son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. We can seek and know God as we seek and know Christ. Thank you for joining us. I'm Greg Williams, and you're listening to The Authority of Love.